في مصطلح الحديث in the science of hadith next week inshallah ta'ala but today we're just going to quickly go over the last book that we were studying uh, you guys are all happy with that right inshallah ta'ala revision is always beneficial so let's start by saying this book al nuqaya who's the author of this book huh? ha so this kitab al nuqaya is a book written by Jalaluddin al-Suyuti. The Kitab al-Nuqaya is written by Jalaluddin al-Suyuti, rahimahullah. Good. This book is originally taken from It's originally taken from Kitab al-Nuqaya is originally taken from a kitab called Mawaqih al-Ulum. Okay. And of course it's taken from the Itqan of Suyuti as well. And this kitab is written by Al-Bulqini. Okay. So the Kitab al-Nuqaya, which is the book that we're studying, is originally taken from the book Mawaqi'ul uh, Ulum Fi Mawaqi'ul Nujum. The full name is Mawaqi'ul Ulum Fi Mawaqi'ul Nujum. The best tahqiq of the kitab, the best tahqiq, is the tahqiq of Sheikh Mashhur Hassan. Inshallah, buy it. It is one volume. The best tahqiq, the best publication is Mashhur Hassan's one. And you can buy it from the uh, Sharjah book fair, inshallah ta'ala. Get that. Because you, you learn more than the types that are mentioned in the what? The Nuqaya. There are more types. So the Nuqaya originally comes from the Kitab Mawaqi'ul Ulum fi Mawaqi'ul Nujum and the best copy for the Mawaqi' is the Tahqiq of Mashur Hassan for the Mawaqi' The first book written uh, in this science the first book written in Usul Tafsir specifically uh, in a very scholastic way is one of the earliest books that were written is Al-Kafiji's Kitab Al-Kafiji he has a kitab called Al-Taysir Al-Taysiru Fi Qawaid Al-Tafsiru it's called Al-Taysiru again Al-Taysiru by Al-Kafiji Al-Kafiji so a lot of the times we were, we were mentioning these two books whilst we were explaining the book. Okay. 
This book, which is Al-Nuqaya, there's an explanation for it. There's an explanation. And the explanation that we used and that we brought many times is the... I'm now going back to the original book now, the Nuqaya. It's a kitab called Itmamu Ad-Diraya. Liqurra'i Al-Nuqaya. Okay, and it's an explanation by the author himself. Suyuti explained the Nuqaya himself. It's not confusing, isn't it? Is it? This is the kitab that we're studying now. It's been. It came originally from the Mawaqi'ul Ulum, fi Mawaqi'ul Nujum, by uh, Al Bulqini, so Jalaluddin Al Bulqini. And this science, one of the earliest books that were written in it, is the Taysir by Al-Kafiji. Then I went back to the Nuqaya. The best explanation for it is the author himself. It's called Itmamu Diraya, the Qurra'i Nuqaya. Remember we said in this Kitab and Nuqaya, there are how many sciences inside it? How many? No, no, no. In the Nuqaya, in the Nuqaya, in the Nuqaya. Yeah? This is one mistake I did when I was now talking. I'm going to correct myself, hey? So it's 14 sciences, okay? So I'm, I did a mistake. I'm going to correct myself now. The Nuqaya has inside it how many sciences? 12, 14 sciences. Inside there. One of the sciences is Ilm tafsir And that's the one we chose from it. So the Nuqaya is a big book. In there, there are many subjects. 14 different subjects are in the Nuqaya. We just took that Ilm tafsir one out of there. There is Nahw in there, there is Sarf in there, there's Balagha, the three types, Ilm al-Bayan, Ilm al-Badi, Ilm al-Ma'ani. So when I meant Mawaqa ulum was taken, Nuqaya was taken from Mawaqa ulum I mean the Tafsir section, not the whole entire Nuqaya. Does that make sense? I'm correcting myself here. And we mentioned the 14 sciences, Suyuti, 12 of it, 12 of those sciences, he wrote it when he was how old? Huh? Hey, who knows? How old was Suyuti when he wrote the 12 signs? Hey? Yeah? He was 21 years of age. Huh? 21 years of age. And then when he became, he added two more subjects. How old was he when he added the two extra subjects? To make it 14. Yeah? Huh? 48, 49, taqriban. So, around that age. 40 something. There's different statements and different views. He added extra two. And he made it how many? 14. Before I move on, does everyone understand that? Don't be shy. If you don't know, 
say, I don't know. I didn't understand what you said. And if this is your first class, then of course it will take time to take it in. So I'm going to quickly mention it again, okay? The book that we were studying is called An-Nuqaya. The Nuqaya has inside it 14 sciences. Okay? Traditionally, the word science meant subjects. Okay? Like in modern day English, the word science is used for what? Empirical empirical science, empirical evidence, empirical uh, um, biology, physics, chemistry, is, is referred to as science. Like in traditionally, the word science meant knowledge, it meant a subject. So I'm using it in the traditional way, okay? I'm not using the modern day usage of the word, okay? But I'll be more specific. 14 subjects are inside a nuqaya. 14 subjects. This book, Al-Nuqaya, has 14 subjects. Of course, we're not going to do all the 14 subjects. We chose one. We picked it and we said, we're going to do one. And that is what? Al-Mu'l-Tafsir. This Al-Mu'l-Tafsir, which is one subject, was taken from the Mawaqa Al-Ulum, fi Mawaqa Al-Nujum by Jalaluddin al-Bulqini, rahimahullah, was taken from this. And I say the best publication for that is what? The Tahqiq of Sheikh Mashhur's one. This science, which is Ilm al-Tafsir, one of the early books, the most comprehensive early books that were written in it, is the Taysir by al-Kafiji. The reason why I never mentioned Ibn Taymiyyah's one, because Ibn Taymiyyah's one is it's loosely called Usul uh, al-Tafsir, but it's specific to a particular point, which is how to do Tafsir. He doesn't talk about Tafsir in general. The Sheikh only mentions and focuses on mainly, and of course it's not an organized book. Ibn Taymiyyah quickly scribbled it down. Rahimahullahu ta'ala. Are we all together? But these ones are more organized than Ibn Taymiyyah's one. This kitab, Itmamu, sorry, the Nuqaya, with the 14 sciences, all 14 sciences. So you also explained it, all 14. And he called it Itmamu Diraya Likurra'i Nuqaya, all 14. It's two or three volumes. Are we all together? Good. Does everyone understand that now? Now we're going to go into the next point, which is uh, the definition of Ilm al-Tafsir. What does Ilm al-Tafsir mean? What did we call the definition of Ilm al-Tafsir? We kind of corrected the author. I said Suyuti did a mistake here. Okay, he called this Kitab al-Nuqaya, he called, this particular subject, he called it what? He called it Ilm al-Tafsir, right? But what should he have called it? He should have called it, it was more accurate to call it what? 
علوم القرآن Why did we say that Suyuti should not have called it علم التفسير is because when we go to the book and we look at the محتويات الكتاب what the book consists of and we observe it and we look at what he tackles and what he talks about we realize that he starts to talk about issues related to علوم القرآن and علوم القرآن is more general than علم التفسير because علم التفسير is a subject within علوم القرآن and we said علوم القرآن is divided into three so we said it's divided into three number one number two number three the first one is ما ما يتعلق بلفظه and we said two subjects come out of that that which is connected to it's what? Lafd here means, by the way, pronunciation. And we said here is al-qira'at. And also what? Al-tajweed. And we said the best book in al-qira'at is the Hirz al-Amani, صح? The Hirz. Of Ashatibi Rahimullah. Yeah? Yeah, so uh, the Hirs by Shatibi. Tajweed, we said, one of the most comprehensive books of Tajweed is. مقدمة الجزرية right so this is that which is مقدمة الجزرية The second kitab is ma ma yata'allaqu bima'na and here is ilm al-tafsir and here is what also al-waqf wal-ibtida In Al-Waqf wal-Ibtida, sorry, in Ilm al-Tafsir, we said that one of the best books to do is Muqaddim Tafi Usul Tafsir in Bhutayma, let's just say that. Even though it's not comprehensive. And also here, Al-Waqf wal-Ibtida. I don't know any comprehensive book that can be done in Al-Waqf wal-Ibtida. Kitabun Jama, a comprehensive book. In Al-Waqf wal-Ibtida. I don't know. One kitab which is comprehensive that a person can study. Majority of the uh, uh, books I've seen, they specifically choose parts of Waqf wal-Ibtida. Like Waqf which is lazim and, what, and they write a book on that. So it's not comprehensive of all the types of the Waqf that you need to do. And 
I don't know it. So this is my ignorance of it. The third one is uh, It means what is connected to the writing, the way it's written. And here we say is Rasmul Mushaf. Rasmul Mushaf and also. Yeah? And Adul Ayah, right? I'm Adul Ayah. So the Rasmul Mushaf, and we said the Kitab Aqila to Atrab al Qasait, right? The Kitab al Aqila. And the Kitab Adul Ayah, the Nadimat al Zuhr by Shatib as well. So those are the four, three books. Those are the three sciences that it talks about ulum al-Qur'an. What did you just see? What did you just see? Ilm al-Tafsir is part of ulum al-Qur'an. Sahih? Here's Ilm al-Tafsir. And he called his kitab al-Nuqaya, Suyuti. What did he call it? He called it? He called it Ilm al-Tafsir, right? He called it Ilm al-Tafsir. But when we look at the kitab, the author is going to speak about some issues related to Jidweed. He's going to talk about some issues related to Qiraat. He's going to talk about issues related to Al-Waqfur Ibtida'at. We'll see it. Issues of Rasmul Mushaf, Mishaf, Mushaf, however you want to say it. And he even talks about Addul Ayat, the number of the Ayat, and issues related to that. So he, in his kitab, in this kitab, it touches on everything. So it was more sensible to call it what? Ulum al-Qur'an instead of calling it what? Ilm al-Tasir. Does now everybody understand? Does it make sense? Okay, good question. The author, what he did was the categorization of things are always either general or detailed categorization. Suyuti here in the Nuqaya, he breaks it into how many types when we open it? 55. These 55 can be broken into these three. When we make it, we bring it back and squeeze it together. It's going to be either parts of it that go to which is Al-Qara'at and Al-Tajweed, some things which are ilm tafsir Some things which are al-waqf al-ibtida'ah he talks about. So we can push it into here. The 55 types. Does that make sense? The 55 can be squeezed into here. Which is the next point I was going to go to. Anyways, since the author called the kitab ilm tafsir since he called this particular subject ilm tafsir what does ilm tafsir mean? What does Ilm al-Tafsir mean? Yeah? 
القواعد القواعد التي يتعرف يا ولذا القواعد التي يتعرف بها فما هذه الرايت بفوه ليس قواعد بفوه فيزود القواعد اما جلس يتكشف معاني القران الكريم ها يا ثي ارود كشف معاني القران الكريم صح فنو بروبلم ايفن في قواعد نو بروبلم But I think I said last time, Kashfu Ma'ani Al-Qur'an. Kashfi Ma'ani Al-Qur'an. It's just to know the meaning that's in the Qur'an. That's simple. I think I said something like that. Sah? Did I say anything else? If I did, it will become clear. Time will... That was a slight long division yeah. of what I read right now. That's the first chapter when we go into the first chapter. What does the word Nuzul mean? When we go into Nuzul al Quran. The descending of the Quran. That was the last chapter, what we said. In terms of writing and. Can you give me the definition you said again? To, in, to clarify the intent of Allah. Oh, okay, mashallah. So yeah, sorry, I didn't do it like last time. Last time what I did was I explained ilm by itself and then a tafsir by itself and then a subject together, right? So what did we say? Ilm was naqidul jahli. We said knowledge is the opposite of ignorance and knowledge is to perceive something as it is with certainty. And then we said the word at-tafsiru min al-fasri. The word at-tafsir originally comes from the word al-fasr. What does fasr mean? Yeah, it's to bring something clear to open it. Now I'm clarifying. And we said that the word together now, ilm tafsir the brother clarified that I wrote this on the board last time, kashfu ma'ani al-Qur'an. It is to explain the meaning of the Qur'an. But I think when I said in English, I might have said kashfu ma'ani al-Qur'an al-Kareem. 
Maybe that's what I wrote last time Which is to clarify the meaning in the Quran As it was sent down on the Prophet Sallallahu Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Very good How many How many um, How many uh, points does the author rahimahullah discuss here? How many things does he discuss in the Kitab al Nuqaya? 50? 55. So 55. And how many chapterings did he make? He made six chapterings. What was the first chapter? Yeah? The first chapter was the descending of the Quran, correct? And in there, how many of the 55 were mentioned in there? 12 of them. Did we take those 12? We did take those 12. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alam. And we stopped there, right? After we've... And we... The second chapter, we just spoke about what it means. Sah? We did, huh? Oh, yes, yeah, sah. The second chapter, we spoke about what does the chain mean? What was the second chapter? What is connected to the chain of narration? Okay. But we didn't go into the six that are mentioned in there, right? Did we speak about it? How many were mentioned in the in the second? Six, right? We didn't go into the six, did we? We said we'll come to that, inshallah ta'ala. We will. But before all of these six chapterings, the author did something. What did he do? A muqaddimah. An introduction. How many points in the introduction did he mention? How many things were mentioned in the introduction? Yeah? Eight things were mentioned. Okay. What was the first thing that was mentioned? The definition of the Quran. What was the definition of the Quran? What was the definition he gave for Quran? Yeah? So the definition of the Quran is Al Quranu Kalamullahi al Munazal. The Quran is the speech of Allah that was set down on who? That's what the author said, right? And it was to make the people feel unable to come with its likes. And we, did, we discussed this, right? What did we say? The Quran, did it really come down to really make people feel like they can't come with its likes? Or did it come to guide the people and we, we corrected that. But by the way, subhanAllah, this, speech, this issue of the what does the Quran mean? What does the Quran mean? If you really think about it, it was a long, ongoing discussion and a debate that took place at the early stages of Islam. Are we all together, brothers? And subhanAllah, just recently I was reading the biography of the great Imam, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. The great Imam, Imam Ahmad. You all know who Imam Ahmad is, right? At the time of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, 
Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal lived through the Dawla al-Abbasiyah, the Abbasi Dawla. Okay? And he lived through the time of Harun al-Rashid, Imam Ahmed. And Harun al-Rashid, he gave a lot of aid and support to Ahlul Sunnah. He gave support to the people of Hadith, the people of Fiqh. He aided them, supported them financially. He supported them morally. He helped them and aided them. Even he made the Ministry of Justice in Baghdad, Al-Qadi Abu Yusuf, the student of Imam Abu Hanifa. And Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani took over after him. Are we all together? And he even requested Imam Shafi'i when he came to Iraq. Harun al-Rashid said, bring uh, Imam Shafi'i to me. He was brought to him in his place. He said, Shafi'i, I want you to stay here and not go anywhere. And I want you to take leadership. Uh, I want you to take a position in Qadha. Shafi'i said, Jazakallah khairan of what you thought of me and how much you love me, but no. I'm not going to take it. And he returned it down. And he requested it from him again. And he said, please, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, let me go of this duty. Harun al-Rashid. Even when Harun al-Rashid found out that Imam Malik died in Iraq, uh, sorry, in Medina, when Harun al-Rashid found out that Imam Malik died, he cried, he sobbed excessively. And he said, today we're going to realize that a space is left open for us. Malik was holding a big position. So Harun al-Rashid was a man who loved the Aimatul Hadith, the Fuqaha. Harun al-Rashid, he had many children, and from his children were that he had a son called Al-Amin, Abu Abdullah Al-Amin. And he also had another son called Al-Ma'moon. Okay? He had another son called Al-Mu'tasim. I'm only mentioning these three because they were in chronological order of taking after him. I want you to quickly listen to this as a side benefit, okay? Harun al-Rashid died. When Harun al-Rashid died, Harun al-Rashid specifically requested to his uh, wazir, his minister, Al-Fadl al-Rabi'ah. He said to Al-Fadl al-Rabi'ah, I request one thing from you. When I die, the army of mine, I want you to send it to my son Al-Ma'mun who's in Khurasan. Give him the army, give him the men. But the Amir Al-Mu'mineen is going to be my other son, Al-Amin. Okay? And this was what was written and agreed upon. Harun Rashid died. Al-Fadl Al-Rabi' who is the minister of Harun Al-Rashid, when Harun al-Rashid died, he, instead of sending the army to Al-Ma'mun, as was told, he went and he sent it to who? Al-Amin, who was in Iraq, Baghdad. So this caused a bit of issue, to, an attention to Al-Ma'mun. Two brothers, two brothers from the same father. Harun al-Rashid's son, Al-Ma'mun, received an army. 
And of course, there were evil people around Al-Ma'mun. They whispered to him and they caused a fight between him and his brother Al-Ma'mun in Al-Qurasan. They fought. Are we all together, brothers? And when they fought, it led to, at the time of Imam Ahmed, the Muslim to fight. Something is shocking for the Muslims. So what happened? Two brothers as well. Al-Amin sent 40,000 horsemen, powerful army, from the army of the Muslims. And he sent it towards who? His brother in Qurasan, Al-Ma'mun. And he goes, fight him. And he made the commander for a man who knew the valleys and the town of Khurasan like the back of his hand. Ali ibn Isa ibn Mahan. He said, you go and lead the army and go do it. Ali ibn Isa ibn Mahan took 40,000 men, went to Khurasan, and Al-Ma'mun, his brother, finds out that his brother is sending an army to him. So what does he do? He sends only 4,000 men. Because he doesn't have more. He's only a governor. He's not the Amir al-Mu'minin. He doesn't have the army. The army is in Baghdad. 40,000 against how much? 4,000. Like in this 4,000, they have one man who knows how to fight. His name is called At-Tahir ibn Hussein. A man who's known for his fighting. Anyways, he takes the 4,000 men and he destroys 40,000 horsemen of the Khilafah, the Amir al-Mu'minin. All of it. This sends shockwave. Al-Ma'mun now doesn't just stick to just holding on to Al-Khurasan. He starts thinking to go to where? Baghdad. Take over the whole Khilafah. Turn everything over. And ala kulli hal, Al-Amin in Baghdad realizes he can't keep control over the Khilafah anymore. So he said, I'm going to have to go and meet my brother. I'm going to have to go meet my brother. I want you to guys understand this is the political current situation of that time. Like in behind the scenes, there is a group working that were trying to work at the time of who? Harun al-Rashid. And they were called the Mu'tazila, a deviated group. The Mu'tazila believed Allah does not speak and the Quran is created and they believe many other evil beliefs. Harun al-Rashid arrested them, lashed them, bashed them, Massacre killed them, he got rid of them. But he didn't kill three men. There were three big heads. Thumamat ibn Ashras, Bishr al-Marisi, and Ahmad ibn Duad. First of all, Ahmad ibn Duad was silent. He never used to talk about his belief. He used to hide. Whatever he was asked, I don't know. And, he would, and if he saw someone would listen to him, he would whisper to him. As for Bishr al-Marisi, he was vocal about his belief. Who speak about it. And so Harun Rashid said, bring him to me, but he ran away. Thumamat ibn Ashras, he was brought to Harun al-Rashid. And when he was brought to Harun al-Rashid, he said, I don't even believe this at all. And he lied. And he denied everything. And Harun al-Rashid said, okay, go. And he made Harun al-Rashid laugh. Because he was a bubbly man. He had good charisma and he knew how to talk. So Harun al-Rashid said, go. But the rest, they were killed, they were massacred, they were finished. Harun Rashid died. Al-Amin, the second, the son who had control of Al-Baghdad in Iraq, he, of course, wants to go to his brother Al-Ma'mun now because he realized he can't 
He can't keep the Khilafah in his hand. But the army of Al Ma'mun is coming with full force. And Al Ma' is what? Wallahi, Ajeeb. Al Ma'amin's army and his soldiers, they take a lot of money from Al Amin. He pays their salary very well. But somehow, the people are more loyal to Al Ma'mun. So what he does is that when he comes, he gives the people of Al Ma'mun two options. Either come with the army or we'll kill you. And so they join. And so the army of Al Ma'mun grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Because the man who is, who is the leader of the army of Al Ma'mun is Al-Tahir ibn Hussein, and he's become famous for his fight. 40,000, he took them all down with 4,000 men. So Harun uh, Al Amin becomes scared. He said, I want to meet my brother. The only person I know I can trust is my brother. If these people around my brother grab me, they're going to kill me. So he sits down and he thinks about what should he do. His close army and his generals, they advise him. There's two men that are coming to your... The, who are coming to you right now from the army of Al-Ma'mun. Ma'mun sent two generals. One is Al-Tahir ibn Hussein and the second one, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. They said... If you go towards the direction of Tahir ibn Hussein, he's going to kill you. Tahir, he's not a soft man and he doesn't care about whether you're the son of Harun al-Rashid or anything. He will kill you as a general. He follows his, the rules. But the other general, he knows your father. He has a soft spot for your father. He saw you and your Ma'mun as kids playing around and he would love to bring you two together. So try to go that direction. The direction of the second general, not Tahir ibn Hussein, the other one, is through the river of Nahru Dajla, I'm a Dajla. Go through the river, river and then I mean, if you go to that general, he will help you. So when he went through the river, the army of Atahir ibn Hussein caught him on the ocean, on the boat. They saw the boat coming, they killed the people on there, and Amin went down, they grabbed him, they brought him, and they killed him. Who's dead now? El Amin's gone. Al Ma'mun comes in power. When Al Amin comes into power, the Mu'tazila of Iraq, they made it their focus to go around Al-Amin. Uh, sorry, Al-Ma'mun. Al-Ma'mun. Al-Amin's gone. Al-Ma'mun. To go around him. And they really circulated around him. What did they do? They locked him. They became his ministers, his right-hand man, his this, his that. Tumamat ibn Ashras, Bishr al-Marisi, ibn Du'ad, all of them until they became his eyes and ears. Every day they whispered him. Every day. Lakin, there was a great Imam from the Aymatul Hadith who also had a high position with, with Ma'mun. With Are we all together? And his name is Yahya ibn al-Aktham. Yahya ibn al-Aktham has a position. Like he's in Ahl-Sunnah. And every day he has a problem with who? Ibn Du'ad. Ibn, Ibn Du'ad are going at each other. Like in somehow Ibn Du'ad is there, he is smart, he's clever. He knows how to debate, he knows the tactics. So who generally wins in the arguments? And that convinced Ma'mun. Brothers, I'm coming to a very important point. Okay, this is long, I'm cutting out a lot of points. It reached a point where they convinced Al-Ma'mun that the Qur'an is created. 
and he accepted him. And then they said, now, the people who believe other than this opinion are kuffar. The people who don't believe the Qur'an is created are kuffar. So now what we need to do is, we need to check who believes our belief, Al-Ma'mun. Ma'mun says, okay, no problem. Let's test the people. The people get tested. And then they say, but that's not enough. We need to, first they will say, let's test the people. Let's see their belief. We want to know who believes it or not. Ahmed ibn Hanbal gets called. Yahya ibn Ma'in. Abu Khaysamat al-Zuhair ibn Harbin. Ali ibn al-Madini. Ishaq ibn Ra'i. A'imma. Immatul Hadith wal Fuqaha, who you read in the books, get called into Iraq. They can come. Everyone come. They get called in a room. They get asked, hey, what do you believe about the Quran? Nothing. No other question. Ahmed ibn Hanbal, he says, Al Quran kalamullah. Yahya ibn Ma'in, Al Quran kalamullah. Everybody. Write their names down. Remember. Al-Ma'mun, when he took over, he didn't go to Baghdad. Even though he became the Khalifa to Muslimin, he didn't go to Baghdad. He stayed in Tarasus. That's where he is. But he's got a governor that represents him in Iraq. And that governor, he's more inclined to the people of Hadith. He loves them. So what did he do? He made an inspector on top of him to inspect his work and his role. To see if he's lenient towards the people of Hadith. Are we all together? Anyways, the point is, and I, this is the point I want to get to, Wallahi, it shocked me. They finally convinced Ma'moon to torture and strip from the position those who believe that the Quran is the speech of Allah. Strip them from their positions. So he said, seven of them, I want them to come to me in Tarasus. Ma'mun said, I need them, I need, I need to meet them face to face. Imagine that. Seven of them, Abu Khaythamata, Abu Muslim, Yazid ibn Harun, Yahya ibn Ma'in, seven men. They went to Tarasus and they stood in front of Al-Ma'mun. Ma'mun said, I have a question. And who, do you know who spoke to Ma'mun? Yahya ibn Ma'in. Al-Ma'mun said to Yahya ibn Ma'in, you got all these seven men? You guys are the people of Hadith? Okay, I have one question for you. What do you believe about the Quran? Is it created or not? Yahya al of course, he said, Al-Quran kalamullah. He said, I never asked you whether the Quran is speech of Allah. I believe, is it created or not? Yahya al said, we ha- we are in the Quran and the Sunnah, we are commanded to listen and obey the Muslim leader. We are not allowed to go against them. He went around. So I'm not asking you all that. I'm asking you, is the Quran kalamullah ghayru makhluqin amla? Then Yahya said, I obey and I listen to the Muslim leader. He said, I didn't ask you that. I am asking you clearly and categorically, is the Quran created? Yes or no? Yahya looked and he said to him, Al-Quran makhluk. He said, let these seven men go back to Iraq. Write all of their names, document it for me, and write it in the paper for us. Yahya ibn Ma'in landed back to Baghdad. As soon as he entered, he, he avoided meeting Ahmad ibn Hanbal and Muhammad ibn Nuh. Because this time, brothers, it's a time of sunnah and bid'ah. There's no middle path. It's numbers 
any, any man of Ahlul Sunnah who says that the Quran is created, it gives a voice to the Mu'tazila. Khalas. So he came to Baghdad, he hid from Ahmed ibn Hanbal, he went to his place. Ahmed said, I saw Yahya ibn coming to the masjid today, and he avoided us. He said this to Muhammad ibn Nuh. Is there a reason why he avoided us? Let's investigate. Muhammad ibn Nuh said, I'm going to go and talk to him. He went to Yahya ibn and said, Yahya, what's happened? He said, I don't want to talk about it. He said, what happened? Because I don't know how to face Allah Azza wa Jalla the day of judgment. A statement like what I, like what I just said. Wallahi, I saw the sword in front of me. And what could happen? This issue is tafakhamat. It's become big. So it wasn't easy for me to hold my position. Muhammad ibn Nuh said, Khayyabtana, you've, you've humiliated us. It was today that we needed your voice. We needed you to take a position with us. We needed you to say that the Quran is the kalam of Allah, ghayru makhluk. And it would have become ahlul hadith was sunnah and ahlul bid'ah on one side. This, it would have been that row, two separate lines. It was not a time for you to hold yourself back. Ahmed ibn Hanbal, when he was told, was shocked. So they called Ahmed ibn Hanbal. They said, come here. What do you believe about the Quran? Wallahi sa'al Quran kalamullah ghayru makhluq. They said, take him, imprison him, beat him, lash him. And Ahmed ibn Hanbal went through that torture. Ahmed refused to talk to the people of Hadith who took the position of taking this as a, a coercion. إِلَّا مَنْ أُكْرِهَ وَقَلْبُهُ مُطْمَئِنُّ بِالْإِمَانِ Ahmed said, لا. Because this was a time that people's names was used to propagate this opinion. It was going to be made the only opinion out there, consensus basically. Ma'moon wanted to make this into a wakat. An ijma'. And the ijma' would have happened at this time. Are we all together, brothers? And we had to break that ijma' and show there's no ijma' in this issue. Rather, the consensus is the what? So what I say is, Muhammad ibn Nuh, he went in prison. Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Rather, Ahmed ibn Nasr al-Khuzai, he died from this issue of Khalq al-Quran. He got killed because of it. Rahimahullah ta'ala. He was harsh in his position. Ahmed ibn Hanbal, the same. The great Imam, who has a kitab, sahib kitab al-thiqat, al-ajli rahimahullah, he said, I entered onto Muhammad ibn Nuh, one of the friends of al-imam Ahmed, and the student of al-imam Ahmed. He was in prison because of the khalq al-Quran. And al-ajli, he said, I entered. And when I entered, I saw him in his prison. I saw al-ajli in his prison, uh, sorry, uh, Muhammad ibn Nuh in his prison, because of the issue of the khalq al-Quran. So, when he saw him from far, he stood up, smiled, and he said, Salaamu Alaikum. He said, Wa Alaikum Salaam. He said to me, How are you? And he had some money in his clothing. Who had it? Muhammad ibn Nuh had money. He got the money out of his pocket. And he said to Al Ajli, This is your money. I can see the clothing you're wearing is not good. Muhammad ibn Nuh is saying this. He's in prison. He said, the money 
this is for you, buy good clothing, you look tired. He said, I said to him, I don't need your money. I don't need it, keep it. And even if I ever did need money, you would be the last person I would take it from. Because you're a man in prison and you're in the situation that you are in. So it didn't change their happiness and their joy. Are we all together? Ahmed ibn Hanbal rahimahullah, at the situation he was put under, the stress and the hardship that he was put under, it was said that a man came to him one day, Ahmed ibn Hanbal, and he said, Isbir ya Aba Abdullah. Aba Abdullah, meaning Ahmed ibn Hanbal, be patient. Be patient. He said, what you are being beaten and lashed for is an issue of iman and kufr. Is the Quran created or not? An issue of great weight and innovation. And I'm in prison because of drinking khamar. And I get beaten, I, be, I get brought back again. My nafs wants it. And I endure the pain for what I enjoy, for the khamar I drink. I'm patient for it. I get lashed, I brought, because I enjoy drinking the khamar. I can't stop, I'm addicted to it. And you should be like that towards the sunnah. If you enjoy it, and you're happy about this holding on to the sunnah, hold on to it, even if you're put under so much pressure. Now we're all together. But it, what really shocked me is, I don't believe in any way, shape or form, not even the slightest, that I am any way stronger and more powerful than Yahya ibn Ma'in. Great Imam, ya ikhwah. But he wasn't able that day, that specific day, Yahya was not able to say that the Quran is not created and hold on to it. Are we all together? Allah makes firm who? Allah makes firm those who believe in him subhanahu wa ta'ala so it's, 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 an, it's a choice Allah gives it's a choice Allah it's a mashia it's Allah's will he chooses who he wants to make firm and steadfast and upright in his statement and Allah make us from those who hold into their religion with a moldity so what I mean by all of this is we nowadays have people who say this issue of Allah's names and attributes and his characteristics are trivial issues. What are they? They're trivial issues. They're issues that have no weight. They don't have what? They have no weight, no importance, no significance. That's why are we wasting our time on a medieval discussion? What weight? What's something that these great imams saw as what? They lost their lives, they lost their, their health, deteriorated because of it. To call it something trivial, it's undermining Ahmad ibn Hanbal's legacy. It's undermining Imam al-Bukhari's legacy. That's why he wrote the kitab, Khalqu Af'ali al-Ibad. It's, it's you say that they wasted their time in writing these books. Huh? 
Rahimahumullah And so the scholars they said the day of Ridda, the day of the apostasy, Allah defended Islam through Abu Bakr. And the day when the Quran was said that it was created, who did Allah save the religion through? Al Imam Muhammad ibn Hanbal. Al Imam Muhammad. By Allah, I say this. If Ahmed ibn Hanbal gave in and said, okay, I'm just going to take a rukhsa. I'm going to take the easy way out. And the Quran is created because I don't want to get through prison and lose my children and my family time. And if Ahmed ibn Hanbal was to say that, most likely, the issue of the Khalq al-Qur'an may have been seen as an opinion from the opinions of Ahl-Sunnah. It probably would have been seen that way. You would have seen people say, Ahmed did believe that the Qur'an is makhluk. Are we all together? Nah. So anyways, the, the eight points that he mentioned in the Muqaddimah, the first one was Ta'riful Qur'an, the definition of the Qur'an. What was the second thing? The definition of the Surah. What does a Surah mean? And what was the definition he gave for a Surah? It's a portion of the Qur'an. A portion of the Qur'an. Um, and is a Surah... Tawqifi. Is it Tawqifi? Is it. Can someone choose the order of the. Uh, the order of the. Uh, the order of the surahs, or the chronological order? Or is it from the Prophet that we take it from? It's from the text that we take from. The Quran, the Prophet tells us. Take the surah, put it there. Take the surah, put it there. What about the uh, second? The, what about the third one? What's the third one? So what's this? First, what's the what's the what's the shortest surah in the Quran? Yeah, the surah is the the shortest surah, Surah Al-Kawthar, right? If we do not add the Bismillah as an ayah. It becomes three, right? And if we add the best as an ayah, what does it become? Four. Number three. The third point was what? From the eight? The definition of an The definition of an ayah. What was the definition of an ayah? So it's mashallah. It's a portion of the surah of the Quran. has a point where it starts from and a point where it finishes. Sahih. Correct. Um, like ثم النظر ثم عبس وبسر آيات صحيح Is there virtues of the verses of the Quran? Can one verse be more virtuous than the other verse? Who held that opinion? From Ahlul Sunnah? Who held the opinion that they can be? Yeah? Ishaq ibn Rahawiyyah, Abu Hatim ibn Hibban, Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi, 
and Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. And this is in accordance to the evidences, right? Because Allah said in the Quran, ما ننسخ من آية أو ننسها نأتي بخير منها أو مثلها. صحيح. Yeah. Abu Hatim ibn Hibban. Abu Hatim ibn Hibban. It's the author of the kitab, the Sahih ibn Hibban. Have you heard of it? Uh, okay, what's the evidence from the Quran? Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 106. Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 106. مَا نَنْسَخْ مِنْ آيَةٍ أَوْ نُسِيهَا نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْهَا أَوْ مِثْلِهَا نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْهَا We will come with a verse better than it. Better. And of course, this hadith of Abi Sa'id ibn al-Mu'alla. When the Prophet وسلم, said to him uh, about Surah Al-Fatiha, Shall I not teach you the most virtuous surah in the Quran? And of course, hadithi Ubay ibn Ka'bin and the Muslimin. But the Prophet said to him, What? Shall I teach you the greatest ayah in the Quran? Ayatu? Ayatul Kursi. Okay, we said that the Quran has tafadul. Where is the tafadul? When the scholars talk about where the virtue lies, where is it? It's one or two places, right? The first one is either uh, in the meaning, and the second one is what? Huh? The reward of the person who is reciting. So the first one is tafadulun yata'allaku the second one is and which one did Ibn Taymiyyah push? Yeah, Ibn Taymiyyah pushed the meaning. Ibn Hibban he pushed the opinion that it's what the first one. Number five. What was the fifth point that the author talked about in the, in, in the introduction? Huh? We're going to come to it. We're going to move, we're going to move each chapter now. First, let's talk about introduction. In the first chapter, this is the introduction. These eight are the introduction, right? We're going to come to the first chapter, inshallah, in the next five, ten minutes, inshallah. What's the fifth mas'ala that the author spoke about? Yeah? The Quran read in the what? In a foreign language. Can a person read the Quran in another language? Okay. Can you do that? <laughs> so can someone uh, come and read the Quran in English? Say, Allahu Akbar. In the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most gracious. Praises to, and it reads Fatiha in English. Can you do that? Yeah. We said no. What's the reason why it's not allowed? Suyuti mentions it in his Itmam al-Diraya. He says, Because remember the Quran is a miracle from Allah. And so what we said is, if you change the Arabic to English, that's where the meaning goes now. Especially if we take the opinion that the virtue of the Quran is in the meaning, and the superiority, 
the minute you change it with different wordings, it may change and alter that meaning. And Allah says in the Quran, Quran al Arabian Iwajin. So the Quran is a, in the Arabic language and there's no crook, the Quran is not crooked, it's not because it's in the Arabic language. Some of the scholars they done istimbat and they said Quran al Arabian because it's in the Arabic language. And I want you, subhanAllah, something I want to tell you. Al-Imam Shafi'i mentioned in his Risala, he said that the Arabic language is the best of languages because of Quraysh, what they did with the Arabic language. Quraysh, because they were the uh, custodians of the Kaaba, Quraysh used to see all the Arabs speak. They used to see all the Arabs speak. And when they saw the Arabs speak, they would choose words from them and borrow it. And we all together. And so they had the most, or the purest Arabic, the most cleansed, chosen, picked language. Are you with me? And so then it became a, a, a language that was so well spoken, well, that when all people would come to them, from all of the Amsar, Quraysh, from different lands, their Arabic was wow. All the other Bani Tamim, Bani this, when they came and saw Quraysh, Fasahatum wa Balagatum. That's how pure it was. So, anyways, the Arabic language was a language that intiqa was done on it, it was picked and chosen. So, Allah chose. Quraysh Subhanahu wa ta'ala Number six Number six uh, The translation of the Quran hey, What did we say about that? Yeah, to do translation of the Quran Even in the Arabic language is actually hard so, to translate the Quran even in the Arabic language I'm explaining in the Arabic language is hard because the words Allah chose there's no synonyms for it now we all together hatta even forget anything else places where Allah chose a pronoun to bring an apparent name hatta does injustice towards the verse some place where Allah says, Innahu. Inna kana ghafoorar rahima. Innahu. He is referring to Allah. If you just change the word he to Allah, you brought the actual name, and he said, I want to change this. I don't want it to be Innahu. I want it to be Inna Allah kana ghafoorar rahima. It's going to be injustice towards that particular verse that you're changing. Are we all together, brothers? Subhanallah. Let alone, let alone, translating word for word. So this is impossible. But that's what the scholars, what they do is, they give the overall meaning. And that's what sometimes, when there's a word in the Quran, what they do is, they give you four, five different wordings that can explain it. And not just one. Number six. We took it. Seven. 
Yeah, based on meaning. So can a person read the Quran based on meaning? <coughs> you can't. And an example for that is the word Qul Qul, we see in the Quran who is Allah talking to? The Prophet. The Prophet is not alive anymore. Let's just take the Qul out. And they say, Hu Allahu Ahad. Okay? And etc. The eighth and the final one was what? Tafsir al Qurani bin Ra'i. They're doing the tafsir of the Quran based on what? Based on opinion. And we said the, the, the tafsir of the Quran based on opinion is how many types? Two types. Two types. The tafsir of the Quran based on opinion is what? Two types. A type which is praiseworthy and a type which is blameworthy. The praiseworthy one is what? The meaning shows it. I mean, the Arabic language accepts it. What do we mean by the meaning shows it? The meaning shows it. The meaning indicates this. The, sorry, the, the meaning. Sorry, the wording shows this. The wording, it shows this meaning and it will accept this meaning. Let me give you an example. And it will become clear with an example. The example is, Allah said in the Quran, uh, Faces will look at Allah that day. The word that's used here is what? The Mu'tazila came and they said the word Nazira. It doesn't mean Allah will be seen the day of judgment. The word Nazira, it means intivar. To wait. Are we all together? Ajeeb. So the word nadhira, it doesn't mean Allah will be seen the day of judgment. It means the people will wait for Allah's reward. We will say to them, you guys are forcing a word to take a meaning that he can't take. Why can't he take it? Because in the Arabic language, the word nadira, if it uses in the Arabic language, yata'adda ila, if it uses the word ila after it, it can only mean bil basar. See with your eyes. The meaning can't. Are we all together? And this ayah did wujuhun yawma'idin nadira illa rabbiha nadira The word illa was used Does that make sense? Am I making the issue clear? So 
That's tafsir bil-ra'yi al-madmum. It is tafsir of the Qur'an based on a what? A blameworthy opinion. Because you're forcing the word to take a meaning that it can't take. The Arabic language doesn't allow it. It doesn't actually, Arabs don't say that. Arabs have never used it in that way. And the Qur'an is talking in the Arabic language. Are we all together? So the praiseworthy is, the praiseworthy, uh, doing the Qur'an based on uh, praiseworthy tafsir. So remember, we said the Qur'an can be done tafsir of based on opinion, opinion. The opinion can be praiseworthy or blameworthy. Praiseworthy opinion is when the word can accept that meaning. Okay, one. Second is evidences have also shown it. Two things. There is evidence for your argument. The base of what you're saying, there's evidence for it. And the Arabic language will accept it here. Then this is praiseworthy opinion. The second one is the wording cannot accept it. To say intibah. The Arabic language doesn't accept it. And second thing is there's no evidence for this aslan. There is no evidence that indicate it. This is blameworthy opinion now. Are we all together? Okay. Um, the first chapter, let's break down, inshallah ta'ala, and we're going to conclude there. Let's break down what was it that we discussed in the first chapter. Uh, yeah, 12 of the 55. What was the first one? First of all, what was the first chapter? Nuzul al-Qur'an, that which is connected to the descending of the Qur'an. And what we did, we say the Nuzul of the Qur'an is how many types? Yeah? Written and what? Spoken, right? Good. <coughs> who from the ulama of Ahlul Sunnah, who from the ulama of Ahlul Sunnah, Rejected the Quran coming down written. I don't want to say they rejected it, but they chose to withhold from this opinion, and they chose to not push this opinion. They're from ulama al Sunnah, but they were wrong in this opinion. Who are they? Yeah. Who from the ulama? We said that the Quran has it came down two ways. Kitabatan wa takliman maqawlan, Speech and what? Written. Question. Who from the uh, who from the ulama they said ah, the issue of the Quran being written we don't want to we don't we want to stay withhold from that. Hey? The ulama al-da'wat al-islahiyah The da'wat da'wat ahli najd The najdi scholars They withheld from their opinion Um, 
from them is the Mufti of Saudi Arabia, first Mufti of Saudi Arabia, or the Mufti before Ibn Baz. And who is it? Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al Shaykh. He chose to withhold that. And he even wrote a book in that issue. And the reason why his argument was is that this is the opinion that the Sha'ira use. But just because they use it doesn't mean it's for them. Okay? One of the benefits that Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned is he says, Kullu dalilin aqliyin. Every rational argument. It's a very powerful principle. Very powerful principle. I would advise you to write it. Ibn Taymiyyah said, Every rational argument that someone uses against you. And he's any rational argument that a deviated person uses, that same argument can be used against him. Every rational argument every rational argument that a deviated person uses against you you could respond to them based on that same argument itself but not everybody can do that right not everybody can you have to be a hadiq a smart sharp person to be able to take an evidence <coughs> uh, use it one of the things that shocked me or Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah really shocked me with him is he got angry on one time very angry and he was a person rahimahullah ta'ala he used to get angry he used to get angry a lot as al-imam al-dhahabi said when he spoke he got, he got angry his voice would raise and shout anyways he had a log uh, on my papers on the scrolls that things were written in there and it was ayat and quran and hadith and so when he got angry, the anger overcame him, so he took it and he threw it on the floor. So his opponents saw that, and they said, look at this man. He's throwing the Qur'an and the hadith of the Prophet on the floor. Yeah? just want to show you how Shaykh Al-Samti was fast in responding. He said, Nabi Allahi Musa who came before me was from Ulul Azm bin al-Rusuli. He took the loh that had the Torah written in it. And by the way, Allah wrote the Torah with his own hand. Musa threw the loh on the floor. Why are you blaming me for when I get angry? One of the five chosen prophets, Musa alayhi salam, had done this before me. Allah stated in the Quran. What do you want? The point I'm trying to get from that is not, I'm not saying everyone throw the mushafs on the floor and find a justification. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to show you how sharp he was and how quick his arguments were and how fast he knew what to use. I think, well, I, when you look at him, 
You know what they said about him, him Allah Ta'ala? They said the brain of Ibn Taymiyyah was he was like a masjid with the dome filled with books and it was given a tongue to talk that's it khalas <laughs> talks everything's inside him he says what he wants yesterday the day before yesterday i bought a book from the bookshop book fair a two volumes it has the debates of ibn Taymiyyah. Munadharat Ibn Taymiyyah, all the debates that he went through. So it's good. Two volumes. I finished it to, to last night. What is ajeeb is how every debate and every discussions and how he laid, he broke down the principles and he built it up again and then broke it down. One thing that really stuck out for me was he never got tired of starting from the basic and becoming very technical in the discussion with, the, with his opponents. In other words, his debates were very systematic. He broke it down systematically. So for instance, if he discussed something with someone, he would first of all find all of the things they agree on. You agree with this, me on this, this, okay, this. And then he'll go a level up. If he realizes the person doesn't understand, he goes back down again. He goes, hey, yeah, no problem. You don't understand it. Let's go back down. Until he realizes that you've understood, then he'll go up with you. Tadarruj. Rahimahullah ta'ala. If someone alone, when in more details, this book is very comprehensive, it's not actually broken down, they could bring from his arguments principles and qawa'id. عجيبة جدا 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 رحمه الله تعالى and in terms of the Quran coming down what did we break them into the coming of the Quran in terms of timing and what in terms of timing and in terms of place in terms of timing we said how many of how many are there yeah in terms of timing Al-Layli, Al-Nahari, Al-Sayfi, Al-Shita'i, Awalu ma nazal and Akhiru ma nazal. And in terms of place, Al-Makki and Al-Madani, Al-Hadari, Al-Safari and Al-Firashi. Sah? Five, right? Five. We got eleven. What's the twelfth one? Sabab al-Nuzul. Why, why did we not mention it in those two? Because we said the Sabab al-Nuzul is the reason that necessitates for it to come down either at this time or this place. So both of them come under the Sabah Munuzul. So, very good. And we've, then we started the next chapter. What was the next chapter? Huh? The Senate. We just spoke about the importance of Senate and whatnot and issues related to that but we didn't go in great details uh, i'll stop there inshallah ta'ala uh, i hope that was a good revision to help for the uh, test inshallah ta'ala
Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and Shaytan and Allah and His Messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. I just wanted to say, inshallah ta'ala, next week, bi idhnillahi al kareem, we will be doing the science Mustalah al hadith. Mustalah al hadith. The hadith, the authentication, the gradings of the hadith. Uh, so please make sure you come and to benefit inshallah ta'ala you learn a lot of a lot in there because right now you learn ulum al-quran and then what comes after ulum al-quran ulum al-hadith right ulum al-quran we took a bit now ulum al-hadith and we started with al-aqidah right so we need to inshallah ta'ala do ulum al-hadith we'll finish al-bayquniya inshallah ta'ala and the way we're going to focus on Al-Bayquniya is so much examples. We'll give a lot of examples for you to understand each point. And Al-Bayquniya is very small. It's a very small book, 34, 34 lines. I'll encourage, if some of you want to memorize it, you can. And it'll be very good for you to memorize it. If you have it in you, it'll help you to memorize it. Uh, even if you've never studied uh, the science of hadith before, you can still come to this. Because it's the first, first book. Literally the first book. Even before what? Even before Nukbatul Fikr. It's like a, uh, a book that just gives you the definition of each word. So when it gives you the definition, I'll give you one example. And that's it. You'll understand. The definition, example. That's literally what's going to happen. All I'm going to do is definition, example, definition, example, definition, example. And if there's categorization of each one, then I'll categorize it uh, if there's a need for it. If there isn't, we'll leave it for the uh, other kitab in the future, inshallah ta'ala, nukhbatul fikr. Barakallahu feekum wa jazakumullahu khaira.